Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 140 of the podcast. My name is Carrie Newhoff. I hope our time together today helps you lead like never before. And I don't want to be cheeky, but I'm not sure how it can't because I love this subject. Tony Morgan's my guest. He's no stranger to those of you who subscribe to the podcast. He's been on before. He'll be on again. He's got a brand new book out this week called The Unstuck Church. And I walk him through the contents of that book. And basically, he does something amazing. He takes the insights of leaders like Aubrey Malfour's and Les McEwen and applies them directly to church. Now, some of you are like, wait a minute, I know that name, Les McEwen. Yeah, 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 you do. Because if you're a subscriber, um, you'll remember episode 112, I had Les McEwen on. Wildly successful episode, one of the all-time most downloaded episodes on this podcast. And he talked about predictable success and the seven stages of any business in their business cycle. And we applied it to church. But then Tony has taken some of Les's learnings and a lot of his own learnings and written his own book on the life cycle of a church, you know, from the startup days right through to the death days of any church. And so I'm going to talk to Tony today about what those stages are and how you can discover what stage your church or organization is at. So think of episode 112 with Les McEwen and this one, 140, with Tony Morgan as best friends, because I think you're just going to learn a lot from both perspectives. And again, subscribers, really easy to find that stuff. And you could subscribe for free. So if you haven't done that yet, do that today. Hope you're really going to enjoy it. Okay, there's a couple things I get to tell you about too. Did you know that the High Impact Leader course is open for new registrations? Yeah, that's right. We reopened it. It's one of those things that's not always available, but it is available today. We opened it yesterday. And again, subscribers, you heard about that on a bonus episode. There's another one coming next week. But you can go to thehighimpactleader.com, thehighimpactleader.com, and figure out how to get time, energy, and priorities working in your favor. Man, I'm so excited about this. Already over 1,800 leaders have jumped on board with the High Impact Leader course, and we're hearing incredible stories. Dave Campbell wrote in to say, just wow, thank you, thank you. The High Impact Leader course has helped me in a ton of ways. One of them, and this is interesting, there's so many different applications, is to ditch 90% of my notes in a period of three months. Set that as my number one goal for the year. I'm almost there. I feel so, so, so much more freedom. He says, thank you. The course has also helped me identify my priorities and work to bring clarity to all phases of my life. Now, he's a young dad. He says, I'm the lead pastor at a church plant, six months old, 150 in attendance. This course has helped me so much to grow into this role. I have two kids under four. This has helped me as a husband, dad, and shoot, as a pastor too. Amazing. Thank you. That's Dave Campbell. Dave, thank you for writing in and and letting me know. And we're just hearing story after story after story of leaders who have taken the High Impact Leader course and gotten time, energy, and priorities working in their favor. Now, a lot of details I could fill you in on. Um, There is a digital version that's available this time, but we've also upgraded things. We have an amazing premium uh, edition that is available in limited quantities. It includes a whole new physical kit, Uh, different from the one we released. Same content, just a new presentation, including, I'm really excited about this, probably too excited, a high-impact leader moleskin notebook. Now, if you go to thehighimpactleader.com, you'll see that there is a digital version and then also a premium edition. And all of those come this time with a private Facebook group. And then the premium edition also has some templates that we're going to add to the course. So you can check out all the details. I won't bore you with them, but you can go to thehighimpactleader.com. And some of you are saying, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I already bought the High Impact Leader course. What's in it for me? Ha ha, we take care of you. So you'll see there's an upgrade kit available at a discounted rate. If you want in, maybe you have the digital edition and you want the premium edition. Well, there's an upgrade available. Or maybe you're one of the several hundred leaders who got the very first iteration of the physical kit when you were on Orange Tour. Well, you can buy into some of this stuff too. Just go to thehighimpactleader.com. All the details are there, and this is a limited time offer only. We close the course, and we close sales down next week, so don't miss the window. Uh, I can't wait uh, to have more leaders jump on board and get time, energy, and priorities working 
in their favor. Also really want to thank trainedup.church. Man, these guys have been fantastic. And if you haven't gone over and checked them out yet, would you do that today? Just go to trainedup.church because they're going to help you train your volunteers. How can they do that? Well, Um, think about taking your training online because the problem with trying to get leaders in the room is not everybody shows up, but pretty much everyone has a phone or a computer these days and you can get 100%, like 100% of your volunteers trained. And anytime you onboard somebody new, just send them to trainedup.church at your particular URL and they've got all the material they need to cover right there. Now, some of you are saying, well, I don't have video gear to shoot it. Well, the new iteration of trainedup.church solves that because you can use a pay-as-you-go video production service. They'll give you cameras, they'll write the script, or they even have pre-done training seminars. So you don't even have to do the training. You can just send your members to them. So go to trainedup.church, say hi to Scott Magdalene and all the good people there, and uh, tell them I sent you. Would you do that? That would be great. Hey, uh, okay, now that's a lot of information, but I'm really excited. And why don't we jump into our conversation, my conversation, I guess, with Tony Morgan. Well, it's so great to have uh, my good friend, Tony Morgan, back on the podcast. Tony, welcome back. It's very good to be back, Carrie. I think every time we connect, I'm just surprised that you, after the last conversation, would even consider inviting me back (laughs) for another conversation. So I'm very grateful. Well, one of my favorite things about doing what I do is uh, we were talking before we went to air that you've got a new podcast, right? Uh, Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, it's uh, it's the Leadership Unstuck podcast. Uh, You've inspired me. Uh, I mentioned to you before we we started uh, recording here yeah. today that way back before people knew what podcasting was, um, it was almost 10 years ago. My good friend uh, Tim Stevens and I wrote several books under the Simply Strategic title, and we had more than 10 years ago, we had a podcast called The Simply Strategic Show. And I don't know if anybody ever learned anything from the podcast, <laughs> but man, we had a lot of fun with it. Um, so, uh, it's been, but, but it's been more than 10 years since we did that. And so the team at the unstuck group, they said, Tony, you need to start doing this again. And so I've picked it back up and, uh, I've had some help from some uh, other folks on the team. And one day, one day, maybe we can grow up and be just like Carrie Newhoff. No, I don't know about that. You know what? (laughs) I wanted you to say that because I love the fact that this isn't your first rodeo. And I mean, those of you who've listened to Tony on my show before know that when um, like one of the big thrills of being able to do this was I read Tony back before I had a podcast or was speaking internationally or had published any books. And then one of the fun parts is to get to connect with heroes and people who have inspired you on the journey. And Tony, you're definitely one of them. And you've helped our church get unstuck. Um, you've consulted with us a couple of times personally on site and so grateful for that. But what I'm really excited about is you got a brand new book that releases today, as in today, 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 Tuesday, May 16th, if you're listening live. Oh, by the way, I was saying to Tony beforehand, like I felt kind of guilty and sheepish because I've been a fan for over a decade and, and learned a ton from Tony, but like I knew he had a podcast, but I hadn't subscribed. So here's what I want you to do. I want you guys to go into iTunes or Google Play or wherever you and want you to search Tony Morgan or the Unstuck Group. And I want you to subscribe to his podcast because that's what I'm doing. And then if you subscribe, like I don't listen to anything I don't subscribe to. Theoretically, it's there on the internet. Um, But you should subscribe to Tony's podcast today. And then I'll just throw this shameless, selfless plug in, selfish plug in. If you haven't subscribed to mine yet, you you could do that too if you want to. Because that way you get it automatically in your inbox for free every week. What's your release day? Do you know? What what days do you release? It's it's the beginning of the month, but I can't tell you when. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why I don't have as many subscribers as you do. Hey, Uh, by the way, though, in addition to your podcast and then the Leadership Unstuck podcast, uh, the, the podcast that I'm personally enjoying very much right now, uh-huh. uh, I think it's out of NPR, but it's called how I built this. And if really? you're an entrepreneur and have that kind of wiring in you, uh, they have great conversations with entrepreneurs that start things that start businesses and organizations. And, uh, gosh, it's just, it, it's a little bit dangerous cause it fuels that thing in me that wants to start something new and build it. But uh, if you if you have enough 
enough that you can prevent yourself from being a serial entrepreneur to the point where you're causing harm to your current organization, I think you'll really be inspired by the stories that they share. So how I built this. How I built this. Okay, so look at this. Look at this. I got my phone. I yeah. subscribed to that. And while you were describing the NPR podcast, I subscribed to yours. So there we are. Oh, very good. All the, all the boxes are ticked. And now I, I will be listening to some great podcasts. So that's great. And do you, have a, do you use, uh, you're an Android guy. Do you use, uh, what app do you use to listen to your podcasts on? I use Overcast. If people are asking, it's Overcast. It works really well. So I, yes, I do use Android and it's the Pocket Casts phone or Pocket app. Cast Pocket app. app. Yep. See, I didn't even know that. So there you go. So there's, there's a couple of new podcasts for all of you, but I want to talk about your book because um, you've written, in, in my view, and I had a chance to read an advanced copy, a fascinating book, The Unstuck Church, which is all about this like really kind of hot topic right now about the life cycle of a church. Tell me why you wrote it, Tony. Yeah, so uh, first of all, a lot of inspiration from a few different places that uh, I've seen talk about life cycles of churches of organizations. Aubrey Malfer's uh, first person I ever saw talk about the life cycle of a church. You and I uh, really were, I think, encouraged by Les McEwen's uh, predictable success, which, mm -hmm. which looks like the life cycle of an organization. Anytime our team is on the ground working with the church, uh, we worked through a strategic planning process that was originally developed by a guy by the name of Tom Patterson and included in his process of looking at organizations. He, he broke out the life cycle of an organization. And so here, here's what I've learned. The Unstuck Group, we launched, uh, gosh, it's been almost eight years ago. It's hard to believe. Mm. And in that time, in fact, just a month ago, we celebrated being on the ground, working with our 200th church. It's amazing. And so it, it, it really is, Kerry. But through that, um, you can imagine we get to work with all types of churches. And the universal thing is every church was stuck, but every church was stuck in a different place. And so mm. I started to think about the different places churches get stuck. And really, the result of that is this book. It, it, I guess you could say it's been about eight years in the making, and it comes <laughs> out of our experience working with 200 different churches. Uh, but it's a reflection of that life cycle, beginning with launch, working hopefully toward sustained health, which is the pinnacle of the life cycle. And then, unfortunately, some churches then move from that place through a season of plateau and decline, eventually leading to life support, where the church is about ready to close its doors. Uh, so that that's the premise of the book. The reason why, really, ultimately comes down to what Jesus did in my life, though. Mm. Um, I can't explain it, Carrie, but um, I... I like all of us, got to a place, and all of us that call us Christ followers, where I recognized I'm not perfect enough to to mm -hmm. enter God's kingdom. Uh, I, I can do everything that I can do to try to close the gap between where I am and where God is, but I can't do it through my own effort. And one day when I was in high school, I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I can't tell you the transformation that that's made in my life. I, I mean, in addition to the forgiveness of sin, um, purpose for my life, hope for the future, uh, transformed obviously how I uh, lead in my marriage, in my home. Is my life perfect? Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, do I do I face crisis in my life from time to time? Of course I do. But I know the change that God's made in my life, and what I believe is this, um, the, the hope that Christ offers is going to be delivered through the local church. And so my mission in my life is to do everything that I can to help the church become healthy and for the church to have growth, because I want more people to experience what I've experienced. And so bottom line, the why it's because I know what Jesus did in my life, and I want as many people to experience that as well. I love that. And you know what, Tony and I have had uh, some opportunity to hang out over the years and had dinner more than a few times. And that's one of the things I really admire. I mean, one of the questions out there, because Tony, you've had a public ministry for years in, in helping church leaders, but you know, you get the question sometimes like, what, what is so-and-so really like? And one of the things that's always impressed, whether we're 
praying at dinner or whatever, but I think you've, you're a great example of somebody who has managed to keep Jesus front and center in the midst of it, and yet been extremely strategic. And mm. I love, I think that's a very powerful combination in the church, because we know lots of people who like love Jesus, but they're not strategic, and you know, mm. it's just not a lot is happening around them. And then other people who are really strategic, but it's like, do you really love Jesus? What, what, what are you doing? And when you see that combination, I just got to say, it's very refreshing and, and very amazing to see. Um, and so yeah. I, I really admire and respect that about you, Tony. So thank you for that. So. Thank you. And, you know, I, uh, maybe just to pause, I mean, it, it wasn't too long ago, Carrie, that that gifting, that wiring really wasn't welcomed or appreciated, at least in the church. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm pretty the grateful strategic for wiring. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm pretty grateful for Mark Beeson and Tim Stevens at Granger Community Church. I mean, it's been 15 years ago, I guess now or more uh, that first gave me the opportunity to use the gifts God put into me to help the church become healthier and reach more people for Jesus. And, um, you know, it was Perry, Perry Noble, actually, a number mm-hmm. of years ago at New Spring Church that invited me to come and and to use that gifting that God put in me. And um, I, you know, when I was young in the faith, I used to think I'd have to be a preacher to to lead yeah. in the church. And the crazy thing was God never gave me that that desire to to preach. I, I mean, <laughs> sometimes I've, why, why God? Because I think I would have made a, I would have enjoyed being a church planter because again, I got that, I, I love to start and build things, but I, I know I know people in my life that um, that 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 preaching thing is just it's just wired into them, and I I never had that, and so I'm grateful that there have been some folks along the way that have allowed me the flexibility, the benefit to learn what it is to really leverage the gifts that God's put in me to to help the body of Christ become even healthier and stronger. Well, and here's a challenge to all the leaders who are listening, all the senior pastors or executive campus pastors, is there are probably people in your church like Tony, because didn't you do municipal planning? If I remember? <laughs> yes. weren't, you, weren't you a city planner yeah. prior yeah, to my, being in church yeah. leadership? I have uh, I have two degrees, one's in business and one's in public administration. And in my uh, life before ministry, I was a city manager. So That's right, city uh, manager. It, yeah, the city council hired me, and then I oversaw all of the departments of the city. So the police chief and fire chief and street superintendent and park superintendent. Um, yeah, it was crazy. And uh, this this should really frighten taxpayers because uh, there were a couple of communities that hired me when I was in my 20s to be responsible for all these city departments and millions of dollars of tax, millions of tax dollars. And uh, somehow I survived that and the cities I worked for survived that. (laughs) But that was my training ground for ministry, apparently, Carrie. Isn't that incredible? But you know, there, there are leaders like Tony probably sitting in the back row of your church and you might not even know their name. And to think that Mark uh, and Tim would have given you a chance and to see how God has used you in the kingdom. of, And not that, you know, everybody who's got business gifts should be in ministry, but I think God has put a call on your life to do this, and you've made a huge difference, including in mine and in ours, and in now 200 and more, way more churches when you count everybody who reads and listens to. So, okay, we're going to get a little bit nerdy in this episode, which I really <laughs> enjoy. And in the introduction to your book or the first chapter, you specifically reference Les McEwen. And I read mm-hmm. Predictable Success last year or the year before and reached out to Les. He came on my podcast. It's episode 112. You should scroll back and listen to that one after you listen to this one. They Listen mm-hmm. to them in tandem because Les does it through a business context. But you've taken some of those ideas and you, you cite Aubrey Malfers and others and Les mm-hmm. in your book. And then you, you bring it right down to the local church. And mm-hmm. so I think you're going to get insights from Les that are unique, and I think you're going to get some insights from Tony, but I want you to go back to 112, flag that, and again, subscribers, that'll be easy for you. But you you identify, I think he had seven, you've got seven life cycles for mm-hmm. the local church. And what I'd like you to do is to walk us through all seven, and then give us the short, the little skinny on each of them, the thumbnail yeah. version of where to start. So um, if you if you are, can we can we put the graph that you've created. I've got it in our notes for this discussion. Can we put that in the show notes on my blog? 
Tony? Well, of course. Yeah, of course. Okay. So um, if you guys go to kerryneuhoff.com slash episode 140, um, you will actually see all of this diagrammed out for you in the show notes. So it's just kerryneuhoff.com slash episode 140, or uh, just go to my blog, Lead Like Never Before, and search Tony Morgan, and you'll find it. So yeah, anyway, walk yeah. us through it. So uh, se- seven phases of this life cycle begins with launch, the very beginning. And uh, as you can imagine here, it's there's a fresh purpose. There's usually a leader with a big dream for what God's going to do through this local mm-hmm. body. Um, it's a place where, because it's a new thing, people begin to gravitate to it. We've heard uh, Andy Stanley talk for years about, what is it, new? Yeah, uh, new, improved, improving. Improving, yeah. yeah. So it's the, brand new. And anytime uh-huh. you have something that's brand new, people are going to gravitate to it. So that's the, the first step. So that's like a church plant. or yes. uh, So yeah, those right. of you who are church planters, you're in launch phase or pre-launch phase. You also say something really interesting in the book, which is an existing church can also be sort of in a launch season. Can, can you yeah. just say a little bit more about that? I, I do think there are opportunities for churches that end up on the right side of the life cycle where they've experienced plateau and decline to get a new start. Um, mm. But that new start, it's in order for that church to have launch again, it's going to have to become almost like a new church again. Right. And as you can imagine, Carrie, not many churches are willing to do that, but it is possible. It is possible to start that brand new life cycle. So that would be like a new leader or a new era or like I go back to the origins of my story in the mid 90s and these dying plateaued churches for 30 yep. years, get a young pastor who had no idea what he's doing. And that was like a launch sequence. We just treated it like a right. church plant with existing assets. James Mallon in the Roman Catholic Church, who's been on my podcast he did that in his Roman Catholic parishes and is now actually doing that half time for the entire diocese, like trying to rejuvenate churches. So don't yep. think you have to be a church planter. Um, you can also be an existing church that's really, would you call it like a new era? Is that, is that uh, what yes, it would be? Yes, that's right. Another good example, uh, my brother's actually on a leader, leadership team at Ginghamsburg Church, which is a United Methodist church in Ohio. I just spoke there. Are you kidding? I didn't know oh, your brother really? was there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, Mike Slaughter, the yeah, see, I would I consider Mike. him almost a founding pastor, but he took over a very small church that had been around for yeah. decades, and it was a new launch under under mm-hmm. Mike's leadership. So yes, it's very possible. You've lived that. A lot of churches have lived it, but it's not it's not only new leadership. It really means a completely new strategy for the church too. In other words, you wouldn't recognize it anymore. And that's what happened at my original churches. And then, you know, obviously went off 10 years ago and planted Connexus Church brand new. So I've been through launch a couple times. All right, what's the next? So that's the initial phase for any brand new organization or renewed right. organization. What's what's the next phase? The next step is momentum growth. And I tell you what, this uh, I've been through this season with two different churches. It's pretty fun. It's exhilarating. <laughs> and for... For those of us that do have that entrepreneurial bent in us, uh, it can almost be intoxicating too. And of course, mm-hmm. that's dangerous. But in this moment of momentum growth, I mean, it, people, again, they're gravitating. Uh, people are unified. There's a lot of creativity happening here because there's not a lot of tradition to break at this point. And so people are willing to try new things to reach new people. And so there's a lot of freedom in that. And it's it's one I don't know, Carrie. If you, I'm sure you've hmm. experienced this through Connexus Church, but it's those seasons when you open the doors on Sunday morning, and there's just an anticipation that tens and hundreds of yep. new people are going to be showing up. Um, and so, uh, like I said, I've been through this season a couple of times. It's it's really remarkable. Um, it's 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 like God. What are you doing here? Because yeah. it doesn't. It feels like we're we're just we're it's uh, revivals happening. I mean, mm-hmm. people are coming, lives are being changed, and it's almost as if we're not even sure why it's happening, but it's happening. And so yeah. this is that season of mo- momentum growth. I've seen that in church. I'm also experiencing that right now on you know sort of this podcast, which is just you are. I don't know why, but you can't even explain it. It's just on fire, and you can't figure it out. And we just we're in the middle right now when this is broadcasting of a, a brand new release and open registration for the high impact leader course. 
And even this morning when we were recording, I was on um, a Zoom call with four of my team members in Atlanta, Florida, and here locally. And like, there is that buzz that like anything's possible. We were spitballing ideas. There were fresh ideas at the table today. And you just know, like it, it is an incredibly exciting season to be in and everything's new, mm-hmm. everything's fun and you're helping people and you're reaching people. Um, but you don't always stay in that stage, do you? That's right. So, and let me give you, there's kind of a bottom line. So the bottom line for the yeah. launch phase is, is we need to reach new people. That's kind of the priority focus in that season. The the priority focus in the momentum growth season is we need to make space for new people, both physical space and ministry space. But then we get to this next stage. And what will happen is you'll notice that there will still continue to be growth. We'll still mm-hmm. be reaching more people for Jesus, but that growth will slow. And the necessary next step is to move into this third phase, which is strategic growth. And the key here is you need to begin to establish healthy strategies and healthy systems to maintain health and growth. Right. And this is this is a the leader him or herself has to make a shift. And not every leader is going to make it through this because in in launch and in that momentum growth season, it really does play to the entrepreneurial wiring that's in some of us leaders to move from those first two phases to this next phase and then ultimately to sustained health it's mm-hmm. a different type of leadership there's a there's an build we have to build a team of leaders we have to learn how to empower leaders we need to learn how to move from just gut to building strategy and building systems so what we're doing can be replicated not just because we're getting up on the platform in our in our case and mm-hmm telling people to do something, now the strategies and the systems are helping to encourage people to take their next steps toward Christ. And so what you can imagine, Carrie, there are a lot of churches that get stuck at some point between momentum growth and strategic growth um, because either the leader or the team is, isn't prepared or maybe sometimes unwilling to make that shift where they're willing to do the hard work to establish healthy strategies and systems to continue to sustain the growth. Well, I think, you know, when I was a lead pastor at Connexus Church, now I'm founding teaching pastor, I think we were at that strategic growth phase when I brought you in for the first time, Mm -hmm. and that was to do a staff analysis. I had hired, I think naturally, like my natural gifting in every leader has a, you're naturally a systems person, an analyzer, uh, a, a plotter, not a plotter, but you know somebody mm-hmm. who plots things. You're strat ops. I mean, that's what you do, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's your wiring. I'm like an entrepreneur. I start things and I blow things up. I, yeah. I, I get a lot of energy. My gut is usually right, and mm. where I struggle is to create the structure for sustained health. And I remember hiring her name was Nadine a decade ago um, mm-hmm. from Pepsi to come in and sort of be our first true operations person. And it's a good thing we really liked each other because we didn't understand each other. And Mm -hmm. I would be like, well, we could do this or we could do that. Or why don't we just try this? And then she'd be like, whoa, 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 how much is that going to cost? And, you know, (laughs) where is that on the spreadsheet? And I'm like, stop ruining the party. Like we're having a party right now and don't ruin it. You can go home, you know, and we really liked each other. So we worked through that. But that's when it first dawned on me. Hey, if we're going to break the thousand barrier at a church, like you need systems and how let me let me ask you this question cuz this is this is something you know I'm struggling with this just even on the podcast and the blog now it's growing so quickly but like in a church world how how big can you grow without the systems and the structure um being a necessity is there like a range or a number like sure you can do that through 2 3 400 500 people but can you can you grow to 2000 without systems and structure I I don't think you can. Now, okay. some of it's going to it's, it's going to be depend a little bit on the the magnitude of the leadership gift and personality and charisma of the senior pastor, because you can grow a pretty large church based on that pairing or um, uh, carry. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, thank you. Uh, but at some point, uh, the 
the church is going to plateau because that personality is not big enough to continue to sustain the growth. Now, I think for most normal, those of Mm. us that are in the normal category, mere mortals, mere mortals. I think that somewhere in the high hundreds to a thousand, somewhere in that range, we're going to feel the pressure if we don't start establishing what, what are those clear next steps? What are the strategies? What are the systems? And then you said the other S word structure that's going to support that strategy too. And mm-hmm. that involves finding other people to join the team that are probably wired differently than we are that can bring the different gifts that may not exist when the church is in launch and momentum season. Uh, we're going to need, it's the body of Christ. It's the picture that God gives us in scripture, the body of Christ, people coming together with different gifts. It's it's Mark Beeson hiring Tony Morgan because Mark has the personality, the charisma, that visionary leadership, but needing someone like Tony Morgan to come alongside to bring the strategy and the systems. And by the way, we like fun too. We like the party too. Yeah. We just want more. We just want more people to be at the party. And we think if we bring strategy and systems, there are going to be more people there. It's also helpful to figure out a way to pay for the party as well. You know, that's, that's, right. that's a good thing for those of us who like to just that's throw right. them. That's right. Yeah. And that's what we've done over the years. Like Jeff Brody is a good hybrid. He's a new lead pastor at Connexus between sort of an entrepreneur and a systems person. He's way more systems than I am and way more collaborative than I am. And then Andy Harvey is on our team now and he does a lot of operations these days. So you need those people if you're going to get to that pinnacle on your diagram. And again, check the show notes for sustained health, right? Which is a similar right, one to what, what, what Les would call predictable success. Yeah. And so here, um, yeah, the, the focus is on what is a healthy church. And mm-hmm. to me, it's not, healthy is not necessarily big. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we we have to factor that in. There's hopefully the healthier church, the healthier a church is, that church is going to experience growth. But big doesn't necessarily mean health. Um, so we're trying. The focus is on health here. And once we get to sustained health, it's not just in one location or one group or one person. We're looking. To, the key here is to reproduce that health. Mm-hmm. And so. The churches that re- that are in sustained health are reproducing that through multiplying groups, through multiplying leaders, through multiplying campuses, through church planting. And it really moves from being a church to a movement at this place. And so once we this, this is the great thing. If we do the hard work in the strategic growth season and we get the strategies, we get the systems, we develop the structure, that's setting us up so that we can begin to reproduce the health that we're experiencing in a church and really begin to mobilize not only the people in our church, but almost the the movements that we're creating through multiple locations, like I said, multiple groups, multiple communities of believers then are starting to impact a broader region of the community that churches are trying to reach. Yeah, I love that. And this is why I'm so grateful that you've taken these sort of business ideas and and human behavior ideas and adapted them specifically to the church world. Because in the business paradigm, this is like more dollars and more branches, but where this could lead. And again, I love the fact that you said that, you know, size isn't the goal here. You can be a healthy, sustainable church at 200 and your systems would look different than, you know, a church at 2000. But I think the real payoff here is you get, if you get your systems, but don't lose your entrepreneurial zeal, that's when you can add two locations, three locations, four locations, start planting churches. I was talking to a guy the other day who are listening to a guy. It's funny how you think you're talking to him, but it was actually a podcast. It was uh, (laughs) 5LQ. It's funny. Sorry, Todd. Sorry, Barnabas. It was five leadership questions. And they were talking to J.D. Greer. And like, he wants to plant a thousand churches, a thousand churches like that. You have to have a level of organization and execution at, at that stage. That is just bonkers, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that big vision too. At the Unstuck Group, we, we want to help 5,000 churches get unstuck. So wow. if he plants that many churches and we help that many churches get unstuck, <laughs> eventually there could be some impact for the kingdom there. So, And this is, this is where the entrepreneur breaks down. Like for your Unstuck Group, that's not Tony Morgan working 20 hours a day, you know, returning every phone call, 
it's like you've got like 20 people oh. on your team now, right? You're scaling you got to build You're, a team to do that. Here, here's one thing, though, from, and you said it kind of in passing, but these churches in sustained health, they're still willing to take risks. And I yeah. think that's a key difference between the church that's kind of at this pinnacle of the life cycle and the churches that are on the right side that are starting to experience plateau and ultimately decline. They've stopped taking risks. Now, these churches in sustained health, it's it's a calculated risk. They're making mm-hmm. wise risks. Uh, that That's a key. But they're still willing to try new things, to make changes uh, so that they can continue to become healthier and reach more people for Jesus. Drill down on that a little bit, Tony, because I think that's a very important distinction. Because, and, and again, if you're picturing this diagram, if, you, if you're driving and you can't get to the show notes right now, it's like a hill, right? It's like a mm-hmm. mountain. And the pinnacle is sustained health, and the climb up is launch, momentum growth, strategic growth to sustained health, but not, spoiler alert, the downside is maintenance, preservation, life support. That's the other side of the mountain where you're sliding down. And I think what scares a lot of really entrepreneurial people when you start introducing systems is we're afraid this is going to be what Les McEwen describes as treadmill. It's just going to be a bureaucracy. You're going to have to fill out a form to be able to fill out the form, you know, and... Like it's just endless meetings for no purpose, which scares yeah. entrepreneurs away. So how do you balance? Like one of, the, one of the keys I know in your research is if you get to the other side of the mountain, the visionaries leave, the entrepreneurs right. leave, the leaders leave. Yeah. Uh, how do you avoid that tension? Yeah, Carrie, and that's the, the biggest challenge is it's the, the difference between the church that's in strategic growth and the church that's in maintenance, the maintenance season that you just referred mm-hmm. to, which is that first step down the decline in the life cycle. There are a lot of similarities because both sides, there's a focus on strategy, there's a focus on systems, there's established mission and vision. Both sides, they have clear values that they're trying to embrace as a church. So there are a lot of similarities, but the distinction, I think, the key distinction is this. On the left side, on strategic health, the the vision is still a higher, the mission and the vision are still Mm -hmm. a higher priority than the systems. When we start to get to the right side, the, the priority, I hate to say it, becomes more about how we do the ministry rather than why we do ministry. That's a great distinction. And this is where uh, churches begin to embrace their methods and they f- lose sight of the fact of why, why, why did we start as a church? What were we mm-hmm. about? What are we really trying to accomplish? And that just begins to creep into the culture of the church and it's not like some, someone just flips a switch and all of a sudden we recognize, oh, wait a second, we're more focused on the how rather than the why. But over time, there's this gradual movement in that direction. And obviously, one of the key things here is we lose sight of the people outside the church that we're trying to reach. And instead, we're focused more on what we're doing for people that are already inside the church. Um, and so that this the maintenance uh, season that really this what I find the priority focus becomes we need to keep people happy. And when mm. you get to that place where you really feel like it's more about the people that are already inside your church and helping them stay happy, when you lose sight of the fact there are hundreds of thousands of people outside of the walls of the church that don't know Jesus and need that transformation that I talked about earlier in our conversation. When that creeps in and then over time becomes more consuming, that's when you know you've stepped into the maintenance mode. Now, here's here's what's most fascinating about this maintenance season for churches. Um, the attendance has probably plateaued, right? but the giving can sometimes be the strongest level of giving the church has ever experienced. I've heard and you so, talk about that. You've yes. written about it. You've talked about that. I drilled down on that because... People would look at it and go, okay, we're, we, you know, we're plateaued or slight decline or, you know, we're growing by 1%, but giving is up 8%. Like how, do, okay, most people would say, well, you're not in maintenance mode, you're still growing. Why yeah. is that a danger sign? So uh, there's a giving lag that happens in churches and in new churches, they see it this way. There are lots of people showing up. But because it's lots of new people, many times people outside the faith, those people 
they may not even be convinced that Jesus is their Lord and Savior yet, yeah. much less they would give their money to in obedience and sacrifice and stewardship to what God's done in their lives. And so there's a giving lag in these new churches where more people showing up than people are contributing to the cause. Now, mm-hmm. that giving lag stays with the church, though. And so on the right side of the life cycle, when you move from being at the pinnacle of the mountain and start the decline down the mountain, you might start to see a decline in an attendance, but there's still a giving lag there. And so the giving is still going to be strong. And the reason why is we now may be seeing a decline in attendance, but people are also maturing. We have fewer new people coming. And as, as a result of that, there's a higher concentration of people who are convinced that Jesus is their Lord and Savior. There is a higher level percentage-wise of people that we would consider maybe spiritually mature. And as a result of that, the giving can be very strong, even though the church has stopped reaching new people. So that's why we start we can even see in the maintenance phase where there's still there's still healthy giving even though the church has started to decline in the number of people they're reaching. Could that sometimes present as, you know, like when you hear about the kind of conversation that would happen, can that sometimes present as people saying, "Oh, finally we're going deep. Finally we're becoming yes. more mature. Uh yes. we're not as hyper focused on the on the lost. Like does it feel like okay, this is this is becoming a church for us? Like can that be yes. some of the warning signs? Yeah, it it is and and on the other hand too, there are churches on the other side that because they're not thinking strategically in that in that strategic growth season about once people are here, how do we help people take their next steps toward Christ? Mm-hmm. There's also uh, a challenge there. But I'll just be honest with you, Carrie, and we, I just had this conversation with others on my team this morning. Churches tend to get stuck uh, forgetting that not only are we helping people grow, mature in their faith, become disciples of Christ, but it's, it's in the, they, the churches tend to get stuck about reaching new people. And so, uh, when it comes to attractional versus those churches that are really trying to disciple, it should be both. Mm -hmm. It should be both. That's what a healthy church looks like. We want people both to receive Christ, but also take steps in their faith but where churches tend to get more caught is they get people moving on a discipleship path. But in that, there's so much focus there that they lose sight. We need to have an evangelism strategy as well so that we're continuing to reach people outside the faith. Yeah, so it's a little bit maybe like Larry Osborne talks about, you know, if you're baptizing somebody today, do you know what percentage are still around three years from now? So you need that open front door, which is wide and continues to attract people and see them declare a faith in Jesus. But you also want to be paying, you have the systems and the structure to make sure that people don't get lost in the cracks. And you'll always, you're always going to have some who like, you know, parable of the sower was given for preachers, I think. It's like, it's not all going to work the way you think it's going to work, right? You're going to have people who don't listen. You're going to have people who fall away. But as far as it depends on you, you should have the systems to basically journey with people for for their lives Mm -hmm. and, and keep that front door wide open. Okay, so that's maintenance, where growth slows a little bit, where we're focusing more on the how than the why, where maybe some of the drift isn't as much about new people and it's more about how do we keep people happy who are already here. Uh, We got two more stages left. We've been through launch, momentum growth, strategic growth, sustained health, which is where you want to stay. But when you slide down the other side of the hill, you're going into maintenance mode. And then what's next? Yeah. So, and let me combine these last two phases because I don't like to spend a lot of time here. Uh, but pres- <laughs> Who does? Preserva- preservation and life support. And the distinction here is in preservation, the focus at that point really is survival. And they're really trying to keep people from leaving the church at that point. Sure. And then the final stage, life support, the focus is um, at this point, they're still. <laughs> They're trying to reach new people, but they they're holding on to old methods and the church is dying. And unfortunately, it's it's not a crisis about we're not reaching people for Jesus anymore. The crisis becomes financial at that point and the church just financially can't sustain itself. And so 
I don't like to invest a lot of time talking about these spaces, <laughs> but the great thing is once churches recognize they're in preservation or in life support, all of a sudden there may be an opportunity for us to talk about where we began the conversation. Are we willing to launch again? Are we willing mm. to complete, to embrace new leadership, a new strategy to reach new people? Sometimes when the pain gets, gets uh, difficult enough for us, we're willing to try completely new things. And so part of me, sometimes I pray for churches, um, help them recognize they're in preservation and life support, help them feel the pain enough that they're willing to do something new to have new life again. Mm. And uh, for us, it's of course not about growth and numbers, but helping more people receive Jesus in their lives. Is it fair to say, uh, Tony, that uh, a lot of startup churches and newer churches would probably find themselves on the climb up the hill in launch momentum growth, strategic growth, sustained health, and more established or um, existing churches you see an awful lot in the maintenance, preservation, or life support phase? Is that fair? It's possible, yes. I think that's possible. Let me offer this, though. Um, I don't think every church goes through all seven seasons of okay. this life cycle. And Talk about that. Uh, it's kind of like my, I call it the iWatch phenomenon. You probably actually have an iWatch, don't you, Carrie? I have an Apple Watch right here. Yeah. Yeah. Is and that do what you have an Android it? watch? No, I don't. No. And uh, I tried one, though. And I'm just, I'm watching and I'm not seeing the watch thing take off. I think. No. I think some of us get it. And so there there may have been a launch season for the, the iWatch, but I would argue it skipped the momentum, the strategic growth, sustained health, and went straight to the right side of the life cycle. <laughs> Maintenance, preservation, and life support. That's right. And I think we see churches do this. I think sometimes we see ministry programs in churches make that leap where there may have been an initial launch, but it never went through that season of growth and sustained health. And so um, I think we just can't assume that that's going to happen. The, what, what the book describes are there's some intentional next steps that we have to walk through if we want to experience those different seasons of health and growth that we just walk through together. Mm -hmm. So me and my watch of shame are kind of just like... <laughs> Tony, no no conversation is complete with Tony without a very small Apple dig somewhere. You've, you've been Android <laughs> for years, so so that's great. Sure. But I agree, it never took off. And even wearable watches, I mean, more people seem to have analog watches than they do digital watches. And, uh, you know, I bought the original one two years ago. I didn't upgrade to the Series 2. I mean, I'll, I'll see what's going to happen with that long term. I agree. And you see that. Like, I've met a lot of church plants. And, like, I think in Les McEwen's research, it's like 70 80% of all businesses fail in the first five years. Sadly, that's still largely true in church world. So you can be in a launch in an elementary school, 75 people. You never had momentum growth. You never had strategic growth. You're into maintenance trying to, you know, you're basically setting up for yourselves and you're on life support and, you know, trying to preserve what you built. So you can jump there. And there are pockets of renewal in mainline churches and established churches as well. And I think Mike Slaughter was a great example. He came in 1969, I think, to 40 people. And that church had been there since the 1840s. I remember that. I think that's when it was. So, I mean, it was a similar situation to what we had in the churches in Oro where, you know, they've been around for over 100 years and they were on life support. And then this young preacher had no idea what he was doing shows up and all of a sudden the paddles are on and there's life in the patient. So it's crazy. Right. Okay. That's right. Self-awareness isn't always a top virtue among leaders. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy to deceive yourself. So I'm sure there's people going, you know what, I'm in momentum growth or we're yeah. just strategic growth or we're in sustained health. What are some of the the like defining moments where people look in the mirror and go, oh, um, not where I thought I was. What What are some of those flashpoints? Yeah, well, here's where I think it's going to be good for not just the leader to read through the book and assess where are we on the life cycle, and then out of that, what ne what are the next steps that we need to take? Mm -hmm. But I think you want to do this with a group of people from your church. Walk through it together, um, have some honest conversation together. Um, we're going to try to help in this conversation. So if you go to the Unstuck 
unstuckgroup.com today, there's uh, we're offering the Unstuck Church assessment, which complements oh, cool. this book. And you and your team can go through this assessment together, and it will uh, help you try to discern where are we on the life cycle. Uh, but you know something else I think we need to consider, Carrie, and you mentioned it. I, I have, I've had the privilege a couple times of being at Connexus Church, and um, there is something about bringing an outsider in, and it doesn't have yep. to be us. We want to help as many churches as we can, but you probably have friends down the street that are engaged in ministry that could give some perspective, or uh, there are others that do what we do. I, I kind of liken it to when I was uh, when I was still a young parent, we only had one child at the time, Kayla she was only a couple of years old and we were driving home from a small group gathering. And this was out when we were living in Iowa. It was hmm. a gravel road because they haven't paved many County roads out in <laughs> Iowa. We're driving at sunset and all of a sudden this, this animal jumps over from the side of the road, lands on our windshield and then wow. falls off the other side of the car. And fortunately, I mean, big animal didn't come through the windshield. It, it could have been a bad situation, but um, I, obviously I, I'm driving. I stopped the car. Um, I'm trying to, you know, anytime something like that happens, you're just, what just happened? And it was Emily, my wife and I in the front seat and Kayla, our only child, like I said, two in the back seat in her car seat. And this little voice from the back seat asked the obvious question, Daddy, why did that kangaroo jump on our car? <laughs> I was thinking kangaroo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what yeah. would do that? I was thinking you're in Australia, man. Okay, yeah. so me and Kayla have yeah. something in common. Okay, go yeah, ahead. So now, of course, uh, I, there are no kangaroos in Iowa. No. There, are deer, there are deer in Iowa. But as a two-year-old, your perspective is different. I mean, you, you don't have all the experience that adults <laughs> have. Um, it was that animals right up on us. And so we were experiencing a collision that was right up on us. Had we pulled back from that picture and had a had a broader perspective, we might have seen what really happened in that situation and, and responded differently. Uh, so sometimes that outsider comes with broader perspective, with more experience and just fresh insights too. that. Uh, sometimes we need that. For, yeah. for us to understand really where are we and then what are the next steps that we need to take. Well, I totally agree with that. And we've turned to you, we've turned to other consultants at times. And our mutual friend, Casey Graham, has often said, you know, that is an investment in yourself and it's an investment in your future. I mean, you can be stupid with that stuff, but I think to make an investment in that. So for the free self-analysis, we'll put that in the show notes. We will put that um, free resource in the show notes, Tony. So that's just kerryneuhoff.com slash episode 140. So these are going to be some good show notes. Okay. I want to drill down on a couple of phases just to, to go a little bit deeper. Um, so many churches have sustainability issues. What is the difference between momentum growth and strategic growth? I think you did a good job explaining it, but like, there are there any other factors that come to mind? Because... I think a lot of people will will think, well, we're growing at 20% a year or 10% a year, and so we're clearly strategic. Maybe the key question here is, can can that health and that growth be replicated? Can it, can mm. it be repeated? And mm. um, I just I was just coming back from a conversation from a well from a church, and um, they they uh, they're looking to go multi-site. So they're wanting to get to that place where they're reproducing in sustained health. But they recognize it's not just about finding a building and finding a campus pastor, as an example. We're not sure that we can actually repeat the health that we're experiencing in our current location. Because yep. in some instances, they're not even sure why they're experiencing the health. So they have to, they have to unpack all of that and then build a process, systems, a structure to support that in another location. Uh, let me give you a practical example. I've, I walked into the church one time at the end of the service. They wanted people to connect into a serving opportunity. And the, the person up front making the announcement said, go talk to Sue at the end of the service out back. Now, having, <laughs> having a talented Sue is not a strategy. Yeah. <laughs> Having a talented Sue is not a system. You just have a talented Sue. 
Mm-hmm. And so what that church needs to recognize is if we want to mo- if we want to mobilize not just a f- handful of people into serving, we eventually want to mobilize hundreds of people into serving. Sue is not going to be able to do that. We need nope. to create a system and a structure to support that. And so that that's really the key difference, I think, Kerry, between momentum growth and strat in this that strategic growth season. It's not we're not just leaning on a person anymore. We're leaning on a strategy and a system and a structure to support that growth and health. I mean, we did a lot of joking around at the beginning about me being just this entrepreneurial guy who loves to blow stuff up. But I think one of the best learnings I've had as a leader over the last 10 years is that lean, fluid structure is your friend. Not bloated, not bureaucratic. But, you know, what it means is, I mean, for the first 10 years, my message was done on Thursday. Well, you can't be strategic and your team will never produce great graphics and, you know, all that if your message is done on Thursday. I'm actually, through a variety of unusual circumstances, I'm the closest to real-time preaching I have been in almost a decade right now. We're doing three local series in a row. Uh, The series was not finished beforehand, and it is freaking me out. (laughs) Like I do not like it as much as I would say, oh, yeah, you know, once you've been in that place where your systems are working and they're healthy and they're not more bloated than they need to be, they're lean, you know, and you still have a little flex in the system, but once it's good, like you can't reproduce chaos. And and I've once heard it said, I don't know if it was from you or whoever, but, you know, you think you're going to reproduce who you want to be, but you actually reproduce who you are. And right. so, you know, you can think, oh, we're this or this is what we want to do, but you actually reproduce who you are. So um, I have learned over the last few years that systems, and, and I, I'm biased toward lean, flexible, and accountable, um, those systems are the best and they actually mm-hmm. are your friend and they're the only way you're going to do two or three locations. I mean, our team pulled off Christmas in four locations last year. That was incredible. Mm-hmm. We're looking at four or five this year, but that's not like, oh, here's Bucky with a trailer. Go have fun. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that, that doesn't work. Yes. No, yeah. that doesn't work. All right. Any... um. Are there any spots in the life cycle that attract? I mean, you've done 200 churches now, the majority of the problems where um, you see that happen again and again. Yeah, I like I, I think if on the left side of the life cycle, Carrie, I think the, the biggest challenge we see is that step that we were just talking about between momentum growth and strategic right. growth. On the right side, the downside of the life cycle, I think the biggest place where we see churches getting stuck is they've moved out of sustained health and they're in the maintenance phase of the life cycle, but they don't recognize it yet. Mm. And what I want to caution here is, uh, in fact, I just had a conversation this morning with a pastor. You know, we've he's saying we've experienced plateau for the last three months, and I'm just concerned that now this this is who we are. Churches go through they go through cycles of yeah. growth and and there there's pruning in churches too and that's actually a healthy thing periodically for pruning but when the when the plateau and the decline moves from months to years mm-hmm. that's an indication that you've probably shifted into maintenance mode at that point is and that so, a good indicator like if you're two or three years into flat numbers and increased giving that you're probably into maintenance. Yes. Yes. How do you get back? Because you're speaking to a lot of church leaders right now. How mm -hmm. do we? How do you get back if you're like, gosh, we've 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 slipped, and you know, Les would say some of the the leaders are leaving, or the the entrepreneurial spirit isn't what it used to be, and we have these systems, but it's feeling a bit bloated. What do you do? Do you like? How do you get back? I think it's going to start with a few key things. I think it begins with getting like we talked about earlier, uh, that renewed interest in helping people outside the church and outside the faith hmm. come, come connect, not only connect with the church, but obviously connect with Christ. And that, yeah. that has to yeah. be at the foundation. Uh, and that need, like we said, that need, the why needs to become more important than the how again. Uh, I do think it's going to take a new leadership. Now, sometimes hmm. that new leadership can come from renewal of the existing leadership team Sometimes it takes an infusion of leadership from the outside, but somehow we need to bring new leadership to the organization. So and new then or we renewed, yeah, yeah. And then we have to just revisit again vision and strategy. There's probably already existing vision and strategy, 
But it's very possible that that vision and strategy has either grown stale or the strategy itself has we've outgrown that strategy. It needs to be refreshed. The thing with vision and strategy, it's not like mission. Mission, mm-hmm. the mission for the organization, the purpose for the church, it's, it's probably going to be the same forever. I mean, it may never change, but the vision and the strategy, it's it, periodically there needs to be a renewal there that needs to be refreshed. And for the church in maintenance mode, it's going to take, I think, stepping back, getting out of the daily grind for us. And actually, uh, what is it in four da- uh, four disciplines of execution? They talk about the whirlwind for the church. Yeah. The whirlwind is Sunday morning. Because mm-hmm. Sunday is always coming. It's what's most urgent. You just talked apparently, about it. You're, apparently yeah, it does. Yes. Around every seven days. Yes. So they and say. If we if we don't if we don't periodically step back from that, get a broader perspective of where we are, where are we going, and then how are we gonna get there, that then we are gonna find ourselves ultimately in maintenance mode. And so uh, that's that's it's those two areas uh, between momentum and strategic growth going up the life cycle. And then for the churches that have come out of sustained health and they're in maintenance mode and don't realize it. Those are the two places where we see churches getting stuck. All right. So if leaders want to take a first step, Tony, um, in addition, I would suggest to taking the free assessment, which will be in the show notes or, you know, picking up the book. And, and this would be one that I would recommend. I know some of my listeners email me and say, I'm going broke, man. There's too many good books on the podcast. But <laughs> I think I think I'm really excited you wrote this one. I think it's going to help a lot of churches. But if they're like, oh, my gosh, I feel paralyzed. Uh, is there a first step you would recommend, Tony? Yeah, I, I do think it is uh, going to take that free unstuck the unstuck church assessment, um, and then starting the conversation with your team. Even that, even before buying the book, you need to buy yeah. the book. But even that will give you some tools to begin the conversation with your uh, your leadership team, whether that's staff or lay leadership. I think beginning to have that conversation is a good thing for wherever you are in the life cycle, by the way, because there are some key next steps that we unpack in the book that will help you move towards sustained health. That's so good. I'm so glad you're doing this. And, and you know, Tony, you're one of those voices I always want in my life. And I know you'll be back on the podcast again. So I'm just so grateful for what you're doing. People are going to want to learn more about you and also about the Unstuck Group. So remind us where we can find you online. The Unstuck Group, it's theunstuckgroup.com. And because I was not quick enough with my name, you have to go to TonyMorganLive.com to see the daily articles that we're putting out to help ministry leaders and uh, other leaders take their next steps. Yeah, and I got to say, I got to compliment you on your technology. I see there's Bose headphones you're wearing today. So right. there's the Bose versus Beats yep. debate that, yes. can we just settle that? Like all the cool yeah, people well, wear Beats, but I really like good audio. Well, and then the old guys like me wear Bose, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that will probably generate more mail. Than, than anything else we said on the podcast. Uh, anyway, hey, Tony, thanks so much for hanging out again today and for helping leaders. Really appreciate you. And I appreciate you too, Carrie. Thank you. Well, wasn't that fun nerding out on that? I mean, I love that. I just love thinking through that. And if you're going to want more, including some of the links that we talked about, uh, just go to kerryneuhoff.com slash episode 140. Or if you can't remember how to spell that, just go to lead like never before and search and a little search icon, Tony Morgan, you'll find it there. So thanks, Tony, for all of that. I'm super excited for this book to get into the hands of leaders and church teams. And if this has been helpful to you, why don't you share it? Just share it on social media. And just a reminder to subscribers that not only do you get a fresh episode every Tuesday, but if you subscribe, you would have gotten yesterday's bonus episode where I rebroadcast an an interview that I did originally with Barnabas Piper and Todd Adkins that I really, really appreciated how they handled that. So we released that. I have another one coming up next week as well. Also, if you're not sure about The High Impact Leader, check it out at thehighimpactleader.com. See if it's right for you. And I'm also doing a webinar 
next Monday, May 22nd, where I'm going to share a lot of the ideas in The High Impact Leader in greater detail. And you can go to thehighimpactleader.com for all the information for that. And remember, this is a very limited window. So if you're at all interested, act because it goes away May 25th. Uh, thanks again to trainedup.church. And hey, guess what? We're back next week with a brand new episode. And I'm going to have a refreshingly honest conversation with two leaders I met last year that I just immediately kind of fell in love with, Jonathan and Verna Del Turco. They've done ministry together for decades, working together at the same church. And they are just so honest about the struggles in their marriages and leadership and how they've overcome over decades to lead a great church today. Here's an excerpt from that conversation. One of the turning points for me, Carrie, was just uh, one time I had alone with the Lord and I was just, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I was really unhappy. And uh, he spoke something to my heart that I will never forget. And I have shared this over the past 40 years. And he very quietly said to me, Verna, the strength of your ministry will come out of the strength of your home. And I have never, ever forgotten that. And through the years, at that moment, that was uh, a new launching point for us. The strength of our ministry will come out of the strength of our home, which meant we needed to give attention to us and to our home. And out of the strength of our marriage and our home, we would have a strong ministry. Well, you're going to love next week, I'll tell you that. Who else is coming up? Well, we've got a lot of people. We've got, um, let's see, Chris Velaton from Bethel Church coming up. We're going to talk about rural multi-site. Barnabas Piper, the said Barnabas Piper is back. David Platt is coming up. Lance Witt about the health of a leader. I'm also going to be talking to, and I'm so excited about this, Eugene Peterson. So lots coming up. Subscribers, you get that. And you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or Stitcher. And uh, thanks so much, everybody. You guys are awesome. Uh, really excited about this 10-day launch window for the High Impact Leader. So check that out. And we will talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening. And I hope our time together today has helped you lead like never before. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.